Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. to the porch. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, examining the Word of God, especially the example of the Book of Acts Church. We look at how they served the Lord, and we try to emulate that example. We dig deeper into Scripture. We don't water it down. In the process, I believe we have found the church the Lord intended, and not the one that man created. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer in the world-shaking influence the early church had. Church age is still in effect. It's not over until the Lord comes back and takes us out of here. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire still falls. The porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc. on solomonsporch.org if you want that website. Or you just go to firefalltalkradio.com. You can contact us there. You can find ways to support us using the PayPal link at the bottom of the page. Or if you don't like using PayPal, you can use the Venmo app. And we are under at Firefall Media Group, all capital F-M-N-G, and all one word. Less fees, easier for us, however you want to do it. If you need to do it the old-fashioned way, write us and we'll let you know how that gets done. Make sure you bookmark us on the Spreaker site for Firefall Talk Radio, the main podcasting site. We are also heard on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. You can download, you can share. Um, They're there for you. So we welcome all our listeners. We thank you. Thank you for your support. We thank you for your commitment to us and to Firefall Talk Radio. We began a new Overwatch series about 5G called The Bandwidth of the Beast. Part 1 last week pretty much laid out the groundwork for where it's going. Keep subscribed, stay tuned, and we're going to be doing more over the next couple of weeks, keeping you updated on things that matter. COVID-19 pandemic's been going on for almost 40 days now. I think it'll be 40 days on May 1st. And the response has exposed the hearts of many people. Hidden things in the hearts and minds of society and government have been revealed. It's shown us those who know fear and those who know faith. It's also exposed some plans that the enemy has that I believe the Lord has delayed, but we've seen them in a dry run. Relief and release is coming, folks. Let's get ready. I'm thankful for that. And I'm ready to get out there and finish that documentary, hit the road, and do what we do. 
So stay tuned. Listen to Overwatch. Stay with us here on the porch. We're on Facebook under Firefall Talk Radio and the Supernatural Response Team. It's SRT Overwatch. Starting out with praise reports and prayer requests like we always do. Well, I praise the Lord for my home in which I am sitting doing this with you. For my wife of 40 years this Sunday, I think she deserves um, a medal for putting up with me for that long and all the supernatural spiritual things that tend to happen around me. Uh, I praise him for my family, my sons, daughter-in-laws, wonderful grandson, all of our furry kids and everything that we have. I praise him for his protection over all of us, this ministry that he lets me work for him. It will always be his ministry. For the dreams and the visions, I praise him for healing virtues. They're still there. They're still available. I praise him just to be able to praise him for everything. Praise him for his favor and the revelation for being a new creation and living in these prophetic times. I praise him for America. We have our problems and we have our differences, and sometimes it can get a little ugly. But I believe that this is the greatest nation on the earth, and I believe that he has allowed us to worship him and do what we do in this time to spread the gospel. I praise him for the signs that he's giving us, that he's getting ready to return. So let's get ready. Prayer. Well, let's pray for the Middle East first, where they seem to have come to some kind of government solution in Israel, a unity government moving forward. I'm not so sure that the way it turned out is what the Lord wants, but he allowed it. Uh, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Psalm 122, verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you, and I do that every day. I pray for America and its leaders and its citizens at this time of tribulation and testing. This is just the beginning. So we need to band together and we need to pray for one another. Pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice. Let's not forget them. For the slaughter of the innocents both in and out of the womb. For the missing and exploited children the victims of sex trafficking, and all the ugliness of that satanic industry. I pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who are being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. I pray against religious persecution and the anti-Semitism that's on the rise all over the world. I pray for our Jewish brothers and sisters who are experiencing the birth pangs as the spirit of the Antichrist grows bolder, and bolder, preparing for its unveiling. The spirit of the Antichrist, folks, it's out and about. It's already in the world, been in the world since John wrote about it, First John 4, 3. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing as we each and every one get back to our divine design. Healing for my wife from her injuries and God restoring her and all that are sick or injured right now, whether it's in heart, mind, body, soul, or spirit. I pray for protection, that Psalm 91 covering over each and every one of us, for inspiration. You know, we need that each and every day. You've got to stoke the flames. You have to feed it with the Word. 
And I pray for the remnant to wake up, to rise up and answer the call to action. If there was ever a time that the remnant needs to wake up, we are in the midst of it. I pray that those who have been called to bless and have been blessed would be a blessing. I know many people over the years that have made commitments and not kept them. I know many people that have been blessed beyond anything I understand in the natural and have hoarded those blessings. I pray that that would change. I pray that he would use us as an open conduit to anyone who needs it. I pray for the finishing of this documentary, for SRT to hit the road, for the porch to be able to do what needs to do, for Firefall to get the job done. We want to shine the light. We want to expose the the workings of the enemy, and we want to destroy his works and set the captives free. I pray that we would prosper in accordance with his word for the purpose of the kingdom, that the open conduits of his blessings would come through through us to others, and that once we're cleared, once the uh, shut down, sit down, shut in, shut up, whatever it is, has been cleared, that we can become highly mobile. Continue to pray with us for divine favor in conclusion of legal legal matters and adversity our family is going through us and both my son and daughter-in-law. And of course, finally and most importantly, for our lost family members. Um, Stacy in Texas says, I want to share that today is Jacob's fifth birthday. Tomorrow is our 16th wedding anniversary. And Sunday is, is Caleb's seventh birthday. That's a lot of cake. Through 16 years, two deployments, six moves, including four duty stations, five babies born, four in heaven, many lost jobs, many new jobs, many ups and downs and ins and outs. God has not stopped being a loving and patient father. He said, we're going through so much right now, but we also have so much to be thankful for. Came in Fort Mitchell, always starts out positively. I hope all is well over there. And you guys are safe. We're doing good over here. I praise him for loving me and saving me from a life that had no purpose, no meaning, no value. I'm grateful for the little things today. I haven't watched the news in two days, and it makes me feel much better inside. It's God's timing when and how this ends, not mine. It says, I love you, Father. Thank you for giving us your son so we can be free. Thank you for protecting us and providing for us. The enemy doesn't sit still and wait things out just because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Father, help us stay prayed up day and night, sleep or awake, protect the innocent, keep our animals safe and provide for us, deliver us from fear and confusion. Uh, Give us compassion for each other and heal the land together. Holy Spirit, guide me. Father, you saved my soul, my life. Save our families too in Jesus' name. And she ended uh, with an addendum. They had another round of um, storms coming through her area tonight. So keep Kim and Fort Mitchell and her family in prayer. Father, you know all these things, but yet you want us to come to you with them. You want us to share them with you. You want us to open up our heart and our minds and be honest and transparent. So that's what we're doing. First of all, we love you. We cannot come into your presence with telling you how much we love you. And we thank you. We thank you for that love. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for your grace and your mercies, which are new every morning. 
We thank you for sending your son to die for us and to take our place and pay our debt. We thank you for the blessings and the miracles that have happened and those that are coming. Lord, we trust you. You're all we have. I mean, you literally all that we have. We can't trust the world. can't trust the world system. Sometimes we can't even trust other people. But you never fail us. You never let us down. You're the only thing that we can count on and hold on to. You are the anchor in the storm. You are the rock in which we stand. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that you sent to us to guide us and encourage us and walk with us. So right now, we ask that you bless this time, bless the Word, bless the technology, that whatever you want said to be to whomever is going to listen, that you would speak to them, speak into their heart, speak into their mind. And we just thank you for all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So we're still on the awakened remnant. Now, I don't know if this is getting across. I don't get very much feedback. I know a lot of you listen. I see the numbers. But there really isn't a whole lot of feedback. So I don't know if you're awake. I don't know if you are being stirred up. I don't know if you're being enlightened. But that's what this is about, to wake you up so that you become aware of something and you can share with others, that you can help wake up others. The the concept is to become aware, alert, or enlightened, like the Bible awakened the truth inside of me. It's to stir up. It's to produce a memory or a feeling like when you first got saved. That's what this is all about. Right now we are still talking about persistent prayer, but we've added persistent faith to it and how the two of them work together. And this all got started with Ephesians 6, starting with verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance 
and supplication for all the saints, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, Paul says, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul understood that he was in a war for the souls of the lost and in a war for the flock of the Lord. He understood that persistent prayer and persistent faith go hand in hand. He understood that it was vital to his calling. And that's what I'm trying to get you to understand. Many of you, I see on social media, because we're connected, and you're afraid, whether it's the storms in life or the storms of this world, whether it's what's going on, all the things that are happening, fear is your first choice before faith overrides it. Now, when you're a baby Christian, that's okay. But when you've been saved for a while, that's not okay. Now, there's no condemnation But what I'm saying is there comes a point where faith has to be your first response. And that doesn't happen without persistent prayer. Now, if you remember last week, we touched on Luke 18, the parable of the persistent widow. One day, Yeshua told his disciples, he told them a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said who neither feared God nor cared about people. Oh, he must have been a pastor. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? And I think he means who will have this faith. Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not our just God, our Father, defend and protect and avenge his elect, his chosen ones, who cry to him day and night? Will he defer them? and delay help on their behalf? I tell you, he will defend and protect and avenge them speedily. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find persistent in faith on the earth? That's really what it's all about. When he shows up, what's he going to find? As believers, we can and will face trials. And we will persevere through persistent faith. From day one of this pandemic, if you follow me on social media or if you've been listening to Overwatch, I have covered it. I have talked about it. 
I revealed the danger of the virus, that it was a recombined three-part virus of three things that don't go together. It was more than likely made in a lab in Wuhan. I covered the truth about what I knew at that point, and it's almost all been confirmed. But I always said we were to be fearless but not foolish. We were to understand what was going on. But we were to be faithful and not fearful. That comes through prayer. That comes through a walk with the Lord that I know he's got me covered. So will will he really find faith when he shows up? He was asking a question that I believe he was serious about. When he returns for his church, will they be looking for him? Persecution can cause the faithful to lose their enthusiasm. And I believe that in asking this question, which has now been passed down to us through the writing of the word, Yeshua was exhorting all of us who believe in him not to lose heart, to stay the course, keep praying, keep believing. I believe that we are in the end times. And I believe an end-time faith comes from end-time prayer. Not just any prayer, not a casual, you know, five-second, 20-second, whatever-minute devotion in the morning and a quick little prayer. First of all, you're not running off to work unless you're considered essential, which i got to be honest with you, the, the fact that you are deemed essential or not, I get what they mean, but there's a there's a psychological aspect to that that not for this time. But now you don't have anywhere to go. You're not running off somewhere. You're not running to the gym. You're not taking your kids to school. So what's your excuse now for not praying, for not reading? Will there be faith? Amongst his flock, when he returns, when all the saints before the tribulation have been raptured, what about after? It's going to be even worse. I do believe in a rapture of the church. I I, I read articles from people that have a, a really visceral anger about the rapture. Okay, stay. You don't have to go. If he shows up and we're all flying out of here, just say, no, I'm okay. I'm going to hang out for a little while. That is your prerogative. Let me tell you, you don't want to be here. But anyway, 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Messiah will rise first. We know 2 Thessalonians 2 picks up on that, verses 7 and 8. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, capital H, who now restrains, which I believe is the Holy Spirit, will do so until he's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. When those that are left will be at the height of apostasy. Will faith and prayer come then? No, I don't believe it will. I believe that there is some, like many 
Jews who will come to know Messiah. But I believe the majority on the earth will harden their hearts. And even though the 144,000 witnesses that have been left behind to evangelize will be doing their job under tremendous persecution and threat of life, I believe that they will reach people, but I believe the majority of the earth at that point will be reprobate. But we're seeing it now. Matthew 24, 24 warned us, for false messiahs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. All you have to do is turn on Christian television, Christian radio. It's not too hard to see the deceivers. They preach a message that has nothing to do with the Word, doesn't line up with the Word, doesn't glorify the Lord. They're building their own kingdoms. They're preaching the gospel for personal gain. And though I notice them and I know who they are by name, I don't worry about them. I don't concentrate on them. I don't let them affect my walk. My face is set like flint to the calling. I am set on the calling. I'm set on the journey. I know what my orders are. But during that time, and even now we see 2 Timothy 3.5, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. There are many people who believe that they are born again, but they deny the power. They deny the gifts. They deny the active abiding presence of the Holy Spirit with the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. They have found a way to justify the fact that they don't have them. But we aren't like that. If you're here and you're still listening to me, I know you're not like that. When we first started doing the porch, it started out small, got really big for a while. And then once I got, I honed in the message to laser-like precision. You must be born again. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit. I watched the numbers fall. And that's okay. I'm only speaking to the ones that are listening. 2 Timothy 4, starting with verse 1. I charge you, therefore, before God, and Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, the Lord Jesus the Messiah, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearance, at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. This is where we are. This has been happening for a while, but it gets progressively worse. And you would think, remember I said that the majority of the world will be reprobate. It's right there in the Word. Revelation nine twenty through 21. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the work of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, or their sorceries, 
or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Remember, this is a book to the church. Idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood. How many churches can you go into and see idols, statues, gold ornaments, stone ornaments, wood ornaments? There's a lot, folks, we have not changed. So what about those that get saved during the tribulation? I believe that the saints that are talked about in Revelation, the, the ones who are crying out to the Lord like in Revelation 6, I believe they're those, those are the ones who are slaughtered and martyred for their faith. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Many of the people today that are being slaughtered and martyred, I believe, will be there as well. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer, until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be killed as they were, was completed. This is taking place during the tribulation period. You think we have tribulation and trouble now? No, the world hasn't seen anything yet. Picks it up again in Revelation 7, starting with verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all the nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hand. It's referring back to what he saw in Revelation 6. And crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And John says, I, I, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation, and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Even in the throne room, persistent prayer. See, I think that's why we're being told that persistent prayer inspires persistent faith and that it is a vital component of the kingdom of God. Why is this so hard for us to grasp? Why do we doubt? Why do we wonder? 
Why do we grumble, moan, and complain? I can tell you from personal experience, we have reached a season that he's not tolerating that anymore. He believes that we should trust him. He believes that, yes, his grace is amazing. But at this point, the grumbling and the moaning and complaining is becoming offensive. Go to me to Luke chapter 11, starting with verse 5. This is the Lord speaking. Which of you shall have a friend, and go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children with me are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give it to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. For if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I think the Holy Spirit is what helps you to pray. I think it's the Holy Spirit that gives you the energy to be persistent. Our Father is not like the reluctant judge or the reluctant neighbor. Even though we may have to wait for the answers to our prayers. But the ironies of prayer is... And I mentioned it in the beginning when we began to pray. God knows our needs. Yet he still wants us to ask him. He's always ready to answer. But yet he wants us to be persistent. We're children of the kingdom. Our requests are heard by the king. We have access to the throne room. And he being outside of time has no time limit on when he's going to give the gift. We just don't understand. But the one thing we do understand, that he's not a practical joker, he's not a man that he should lie. If there's a delay, there's a reason. In the fullness of time. Matthew 6, verses 7 and 8. And when you pray... Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things which you have need of before you ask him. He's always ready to hear you. He's always ready to listen to you. He's always ready to spend time with you. You don't have to make an appointment. I I once ministered to a young man back in Tallahassee. 
and we were talking about this. He goes, well, I just don't want to bother God. I went, huh? Well, I, I know he's so busy doing what he's doing. I just don't think, you know, uh, I, I, that he has time for me. And I go, You're measuring him by what you know of earthly fathers or what your personal experience is. First side, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's omnipotent, he can do all things. He wants us to come to him. He wants that persistent relationship. He wants to hang out with you. I remember there was one time in Tallahassee um, when I first got there, Maybe a little after we're living in the second house that we rented. And I just sat down one night and I said, What do you what you know, what do you want me to pray about, Lord? What do you want to do? He says, Nothing. I just want to hang out with you. So that's what he did. He just hung out with me. Prayer opens your heart, allows you to be transparent, allows you to be intimate with him. There's nothing he doesn't know. He's already seen. He's already heard it. He knows the truth. So there's no point in fudging the truth or changing the facts. There's no point in trying to fool him or impress him. Prayer is our way of saying we know you're willing, Father. We know that you love us. It allows you to be personal. It allows you to let down the walls and to begin to build a dependent trust. It it causes us to yield and to open up and begin to praise him, begin to thank him. See, I know that his promises are yea and amen. I mean, I know that. I'm not just quoting scripture. And I'm also honest enough to tell you I get frustrated. I get frustrated with the delays. I get frustrated that on Wednesday, April 22nd at 7.37 p.m., certain things that I expected at this point had not happened. And it probably won't be days or even years from now that I'll understand why it didn't happen when I thought it would. But I don't ever give up. If it doesn't happen today, then I go to bed believing it'll happen tomorrow. And if it doesn't happen tomorrow, then I'll go to bed tomorrow thinking it'll happen the next day. And I'm always in an era of expectancy. I'm not one of those people that says, well, Lord, if you if you want to do this by the end of the summer, that would be great. I, I, I find that silly. He can bless me right now. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can drop whatever he wants into my lap, and it can be instantaneous. So I don't need to give him some time to get the job done. My prayer with him is a form of communion, and I don't mean communication. I mean it's communion. It's a, it's a sacrifice. It's a, um, a heartfelt intimacy. I'm not using it as a battering ram to break down the door into his storehouse. I'm not trying to manipulate him. I'm not trying to leverage my relationship with him. I am approaching it as a child. That I know my father loves me. 
I know he cares for me. I know he wants the best for me. And I believe that's what the Lord has been showing. I think that's what he showed the disciples, and he left this example for us. From the motives for praying to the methods of praying. Why you pray will determine how you pray. Matthew twenty-one twenty-two. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. John fourteen thirteen, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, inverse logic, which is something I like to do, is to flip things. That means whatever he's going to allow us to receive is going to glorify the Son to the Father. If it doesn't glorify him, it's not going to happen. John fifteen seven. if you abide in me, take permanent residence in me. In my words, abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Why? Because it means that what I'm asking will line up with the word. John emphasizes that in 1 John 5.14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That confidence is a boldness. Well, if we ask how? According to his will. That means according to his word. I think the biggest problem with unanswered prayer, beside the timing issue, is that it doesn't line up with his will for us. But how do you know? Well, if you know the word, you'll know. Romans ten seventeen, Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Well, to have persistent faith, to be able to persistently pray, I need to listen. I need to hear the word of God. That's why, or one of the reasons anyway, whether it's these Bible studies, whether it's a seminar, or whether it's anything I write, it is inundated with the word. It's about his words, not about mine. And if what I'm saying doesn't line up with his word, it's worthless. But I know that he cannot deny his word or deny himself. So many people are fooled by false teachers to pray things and to seek things that do not line up with the word. And then they don't understand why it doesn't happen. It was pretty basic. What you were asking was not scriptural. So if it lines up with the word, then we should have the confidence of a child that you know it's going to happen. But you have to have faith. You see, this is that persistent prayer, persistent faith. The two must work together. Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it is what? It is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Well, that he is what? Well, that he's God. He's the great I am. He's El Elyon, God Most High. And most of all, he's my Father in heaven. So if I diligently seek him, whether it's the persistent widow or the man seeking food for his friend that just showed up, whether if I'm persistent, if I'm persistent in my faith, and if I'm persistent in my prayer, 
then I should see the outcome of those prayers. When I was a baby Christian, I had somebody come to me and say, why do you pray the same thing over and over? Just pray it and be done with it and believe that he's going to do it. I said, because in the Word, it tells me to. He gave the example of the woman with the unjust judge. He gave the example of the friend knocking on the door late at night seeking food for somebody who just showed up at his house. Well, he said, that's not faith if you believe he's going to do it. Now, I... And we had to agree to disagree. Why? Because his opinion didn't line up with the word. How many people have quit praying too soon? Persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. Every day you're before him. You know, Lord, I I know I said this yesterday, but I want to remind you of that loved one who's not saved. I don't know if you've done it yet. Have you sent an angel or a dream or whatever, but I'm... I'm praying them into your kingdom. I'm praying for their soul. I'm praying for them to remember whatever it was they heard as a child. And I'm praying that whatever's caused them to turn away from you would be healed. So I'm I'm going to keep reminding you, Dad. The promise of answering your prayer is not indiscriminate if it's a, to be effective It must be offered according to his will. I just mentioned a prayer that he desires everybody to be saved. That's what that prayer is. He desires everyone to be saved. He doesn't desire to point to the lake of fire. That's not his desire. He gives people their desires. They desired him, then they get eternity with him. If If they desired the world, the flesh, the devil, and the fallen, well, they get to spend eternity with them. That's why John keeps talking about this confidence, boldness, belief, assuredness. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. 1 John 3.22 So I have faith in who he is. And I have faith in what his word says. I have faith in the fact that he loves us and he wants the best for us. Now, maybe you need to download this. Maybe you need to put that somewhere and remind yourself every day. I have faith in who he is and what his word says. I have faith that he loves me and wants the best for me. And I can guarantee you that the minute you make that commitment, the enemy's going to try to convince you otherwise. Take your heels in. Take that stand. Put up that shield of faith. Block those fiery darts of accusation and condemnation. Go with me, James chapter 1, starting in verse 2. Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, Whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations, be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects lacking in nothing. If any of you is deficient in wisdom, 
Let them ask of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault-finding, and it will be given to him. Only it must be in faith that he asks with no wavering, no hesitating, no doubting. For the one who wavers, who hesitates, who doubts, is like that billowing surge out at the sea, blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. And think about Peter. Lord, if you bid me come, come. And first couple of steps, he's cool. He's walking on water. He's doing something no other man beside the one in front of him has done. And then all of a sudden, he begins to doubt. And we know what happens. He sank. Picking up on verse 7 of James 1, For truly, let not such a person imagine he will receive anything he asks for from the Lord. For being as he is a man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, irresolute, he is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, or decides. You can't be of two minds. You can't be bipolar when it comes to God. One minute have faith, the next minute don't. One minute believe, the next minute you don't. The minute the enemy does something, you cannot be spiritually bipolar and expect that anything's going to prosper in your life spiritually. I know I've shared this before, but in in 1895, Reverend Andrew Murray, in a book called With Christ in the School of Prayer, Thoughts on Training for the Ministry of Intercession, wrote this. Of all the mysteries of the prayer world, the need of persevering prayer is one of the greatest. That the Lord, who is so loving and longing to bless, should have to be supplicated time after time, sometimes year after year before the answer comes, we we cannot easily understand. It's also one of the greatest practical difficulties in the exercise of believing prayer. When after persevering supplication, our prayer remains unanswered, it's often easiest for our slothful flesh, slothful flesh, and it has all the appearance of pious submission to think that we must now cease praying because God may have his secret reason for withholding his answer to our request. It is by faith alone that the difficulty is overcome. When once faith has taken its stand upon God's word and the name of Yeshua and has yielded itself to the leading of the Spirit to seek God's will and honor alone in its prayer, it need not be discouraged by delay. It knows from Scripture that the power of believing prayer is simply irresistible. Real faith can never be disappointed. Let me, let me read that again because it's for me and it's for you, and it's for people I pray with. When once faith has taken its stand upon God's word in the name of Yeshua, the name of Jesus, and has yielded itself to the leading of the Holy Spirit to seek God's will and honor alone in its prayer, it need not be discouraged by delay. It knows from Scripture Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. It knows by Scripture that the power of believing prayer is simply irresistible. Real faith can never 
be disappointed. It takes faith to keep praying. It takes faith to wait for an answer. David was a man of faith, and he didn't have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He developed his faith, spending time with God on the mountainside at night while he watched the flock while his brothers slept in their warm beds. He spent a lot of time alone with the Lord. He had the Lord help him when he fought off the lion and the bear for the sake of the flock. That's where that faith came to run towards Goliath. He didn't have any trust in himself, but he knew the Lord would be with him. David learned about prayer. He learned about faith, but he also struggled. Made a lot of really dumb mistakes. Psalm 86, verse 1. Bow down your ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am holy. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry to you all day long. Rejoice the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive, abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I will call upon you, for you will answer me. Among the gods there is none like you, O Lord, nor are there any works like your works. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. You see what he's doing? He's edifying God and it's edifying him, and, and the prayer becomes a little more powerful. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forevermore. For great is your mercy towards me, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, the proud have risen against me, and a mob of violent men have sought my life and have not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in mercy and truth. O turn to me and have mercy on me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign for good that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. David didn't have the Holy Spirit. We do. David wasn't born again. David did not have the reality of the cross. But yet, he understood. Lord, help us understand. Holy Spirit, help us understand. To those that waver and to those that have doubted and those that have maybe prayed prayers that were never you, that were falsely confirmed by others. But Lord, you're not a practical joker. You're not a man that you should lie. You're not a man that you should repent. So right now, in this time, whatever we have been waiting for, whatever 
blessings, whatever calls to the kingdom to do your work that we know, that we know, that we know have come from you, that will glorify you, glorify your son, that will further the kingdom, whether it's somebody's salvation, whether whatever it is, we have laid them before you, and we just remind you, Lord, that, that one over there is mine. That bowl of uh, incense, prayers, that's mine. Don't forget me, Lord. I know you won't. I know that you love me. But I'm just doing what you said. I'm being persistent. Not being disrespectful. I don't doubt you. But I'm I'm knocking. I'm seeking. And I'm gonna stand here until the door is open until until I find. Because that's what you said. Lord, teach us how to do that. Help break away all the wounds and, and programming from our youth and from our real parents or or experiences that we've had even in your within your church. Wash them away. Heal them right now, Holy Spirit. Bring them to mind. If we need to repent of something, bring it to mind so that we can repent of it and let it go. Because this is the time we need world-shaking, powerful, persistent prayer and persistent faith. The world is dying for people like that. They're dying for the signs and the wonders. They're dying for a word of encouragement. They're literally dying. Rain it down right now, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit fall upon those that don't have it. Fill them with the fire. To those that have let the embers go almost out, stir it up. Give it a swoosh of fire. Let it come back. Whatever the doubt is, whatever the enemy's using to cause that doubt, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, I speak to that spirit. I speak to that lying spirit. I bind you. I muzzle you. I command you to be silent, and I command you to depart in the name of Jesus. I command you to set this child of God free. Lord, we love you. No matter what happens, no matter what goes on in this world, no matter what our natural mind says, no matter what television or fake news or demonic news, no matter what Hasatan says, no matter what the fallen say, we stand on your word. We hold to your word. We hold to your promises like that woman with the issue of blood. We reach out and we grab a hold of those promises right now in the spirit, knowing we can be healed, knowing we can be delivered knowing that we can receive what's needed in this time. And we're going to hold on, Lord. We're, going to, we're not going to let go. I believe the only reason the woman with the issue of blood let go is because she got hit. Got hit by the Spirit and got healed instantaneously. I wouldn't be surprised if it knocked her backward a little bit. Because you said, I felt power go out of me. If only we could have her faith. To risk it all. That now faith. 
to risk it all and just to hold on. To say, if I could but grab on to the promises of God, which is what those tzitzits represented. If I could just grab a hold of the living word, I could have what I need. Let it rain down, Lord. Let it rain down on us. We just pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. This weekend at Kohl's, take an extra 15% off. Save on men's and women's denim. Get Under Armour shoes for the family, $59.99 and under. And pick up a Power XL air fryer, just $84.99. Plus, take an extra $10 off your back-to-school purchase of $50 or more. Plus, store drive up. And get a little more for your wallet with Kohl's cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles, 15% off with promo code Notebook and August 16th. Under Armour offers and coupons do not apply. 10 off 50 with promo code BTS10 and August 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.